0: Stepping to the mic today, yours truly, Chris Miles, my guy, T.J., and someone we're going to go ahead and say is family on this pod, uh, head coach of the Howard Bison, Kenny Blakeney. Kenny, you know, it, it, I say family because of the DeMatha thing with T.J. Uh, representing Howard, but the brotherhood at Duke, uh, as you know, Grant Hill, one of my co-workers down at NBA TV. So there's a there's a lot of family ties to having you on the pod today. Thank you for stopping by and hanging out with us.
1: Hey man, this is an honor. Uh, this is as big time as it gets with uh, with yourself, Chris, on here. All the things that you've done, congratulations in your career and my brother for about <laughs> 30 years, man. I love this dude. What's up, TJ, how you doing, man? Hey, Blake, I'm
2: good, man. I'm so proud of you, brother. You you have uh, paid your dues and you've been around in this game for a minute. And now you finally gotten the chance to lead your own uh, your own program, and you were off to a swimming start with this recruiting class, man. I know we're going to jump into it on this podcast, but couldn't be more proud of you, brother.
1: Thank you, my brother. I appreciate
0: you. And Absolutely. speaking of uh, all those dues you paid, we'll get to that next because first and foremost, uh, your second season coming up at Howard, first season was great where you had the MEACs all-time lead scorer, you had the, the freshman of the year, and then you follow that up with the first five-star recruit uh, since we've been recording this, to choose an HBCU and maker-maker. Hopefully I got his name right. I've heard it pronounced different ways, but we know the kid we're talking about, a top 20 recruit. Then you get a transfer from Purdue who is going to go to Michigan to also come into your program. So you bring back the reigning conference uh, newcomer of the year, if you will, a, a transfer who shows promise and a top 20 recruit. You have to be excited for w- what's happening in your program this year. Can you take us through that that whole uh, situation, how all of these guys ended up in your program this year?
1: Yeah, well, the, the recruiting of Maker started out with conversations when I was at Columbia University. Um you know, being at Columbia, I really felt that it was a brand that resonated in a way that could attract, I think, you know those kind of kids, five star kids. Uh, being in New York City, obviously there's a lot of benefits behind that. And then you know, Columbia is located in Harlem, and that just that, that Harlem means so much to our culture. Um, so I started tinkering with that a little bit at Columbia and then, Uh, you know, fast forward a little bit, I get the job at Howard. um, And, you know, a lot of the pieces that I was or a lot of the boxes that I was checking, you know, for how do we build this thing? How do I how do I how can I attract young men to our university that may not have considered us previously? Um, We're being checked with that. You know, we have an incredible brand at Howard. It's the You know, we consider it the number one HBCU in the country. Right now, we're one of the top 80 schools in the country. Um, You know, we have an incredible alumni uh, base with, you know, Kamala Harris that just is uh, vice president-elect. Tanashi Coates, his uh, film was just adapted for uh, a movie that was on HBO. Um, You can go to Thurgood Marshall, you know, Elijah Cummings. You can go down the ranks of names that are uh, very prominent and 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 figures in our in our country. So that box was checked. Um, it was just you know what makes sense for Howard and how can we utilize that brand to really attract? I think those kind of kids. So that was kind of the first process of of thinking to to get it going a little bit. Um, you know, and then I had a relationship with. McCore, maker with MK as he goes by now. Uh, <laughs> I, had, I had a I had a relationship with uh, with his guardian Ed Smith, who's a St. John, D.C. grad. Um, previously, before me, he graduated before I, we never crossed paths in school, but uh, just in the basketball ranks, I had a uh, a relationship with him. I recruited several of his players. Ed had gone from uh, St. John's to you know, Hawaii and then Hawaii to Australia. So, um, when he was making his uh, doing his thing on the basketball side, that world gets smaller and smaller every year. Um, so we just started having conversations about, about it. And, uh, once I knew that the door was open, I really just put my foot on the accelerator and, uh, pushed through from there. So, uh, that was, that was kind of how that started going. And, We were very lucky. We brought him up for homecoming, and uh, he had an incredible visit at homecoming. And, you know, we we kept, like, really pursuing pursuing him even after homecoming, and as, you know, he was going to go potentially to UCLA, Kentucky. I think there were a few other schools there. Um, I I felt like he was going to come to Howard all along. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing that I was kind of nervous about was – what is he going to keep his name in, in, the, in the NBA draft or go to Australia via the route of, uh, you know, LaMelo Ball or R.J. Hampton? Um, so I felt that was becoming our biggest uh, competition uh, and, and, and respectfully saying that it's not Kentucky or UCLA. Um, so we were able to kind of close the, the gap on that and, and, uh, and, and have him commit on July 3rd. Um, and, you know, get him on campus shortly after that. With uh, no Eastern, that relationship also kind of started back when he was in high school. Um, so I, I knew no you know, four or five years ago. And uh, when he hit the, the transfer market, after things had with Michigan had, uh, had not worked out, um, you know, I reached out to his, to his family and was just like, you know, could, could I have an opportunity to have a conversation with you? Um, so his mom was very gracious in, in allowing us to have a conversation. And again, there were other schools that I think before we got in had an advantage and a lead, but we just kept pursuing. And, uh, you know, month, a couple months later or a month later, you know, no Joe ended up at Howard Bison. So, um, very fortunate and lucky that those two young men who, you know, if you think about it a little bit, Chris and TJ, um, you know, these guys are are allowing us to help them with their NBA, uh, increase their NBA value, which is I think says a whole lot about the direction of our program and where we're going.
0: Well, even when I hear you say the direction of your program, then what, Let's take the, the the factor of thinking about COVID and, and March Madness, so all those things out of the equation. Just for you, looking forward to your program. What are your goals this year? Like you said, you have Wayne Bristol Jr. back. Um, you you just lost Charles Williams, but we know how great of a player he is. You have he was you have that momentum uh, going forward. What are your expectations for this season? What are you telling your players, and where do you think you can take it?
1: Yeah, our goals are simple. We have program goals and, and Chris, I don't wanna sound like a, you know one of those cliche guys, but honestly, it's to get better today. Um, that's our, our number one goal. Our next goal is to win our next game. Uh, our third goal is to become a championship team. Our fourth goal is to advance in the NCAA tournament. And our last goal is to have fun. Um, and I really want our guys to sink their teeth in those five things, which, is, which are our goals. Um, you know, it, we do have a lot of expectations on the season. Realistically, I don't know if those expectations are fair. Um, we're coming off a four and 29 season. And Howard University, I think maybe in the last 30 years since 1993 maybe, or even before that, has only had, I wanna say three plus 500 seasons. Um, so what we're trying to build and do here is truly unique and different from, um, you know, what the previous years have, have kind of dictated a little bit. So I want to kind of try to temper those expectations. I want our guys to really sink their teeth into just understanding what our goals are and kind of save that course a little bit. Coach,
2: I want to harken back to, um, the, the, the signees that you just got, um, you know, current state of affairs in our country might lend itself to believe that, you know, that may have had something to do with the, the more attention to, to be, that's for lack of a better term, pro-black. Would you say that this is the beginning of a, um, not necessarily a flood, but a greater interest of players to want to attend HBCUs where we historically, in our past, have done so?
1: No, it's a great question and very fair. I think that certainly uh the social unrest uh the black lives matter you know, the murder of mr george floyd and all the other things that have taken place certainly has helped um in, in a and i say that i know those are sensitive things right um but you know the awareness i think of hbcus the awareness of uh being more supportive of your own in your community people that look like you people that think like you uh is certainly I think something that has been very much at the forefront of, of a lot of this happening. Um, we still have to do our work. We still have to, I think, present um, the, the tools that they need to be successful um, and the resources that they need to be successful in terms of, you know, wh- how are we doing things with that, that take care of their body. Right. Um, when, when recruiting these guys, that was very much a concern with me. Like, their bodies are their vehicles. Are, are, are we prepared to be able to support everything that we can do to help them continue in the direction that they're going? Uh, so those things, those questions still have to be asked, answered. And uh, I think we were able to do that throughout the recruitment of both of those young men.
0: You know, you you brought up a great point, and uh, full disclosure here. I was just uh, getting some work done myself with uh, Dr. Ray Solano, one of uh, your good friends, and he said his first order of business for you. You know, you've been at, at programs where uh, you thought that the facilities were up to up to par, up to standards, and that that was one of the first things you wanted to to make sure that these guys had when you recruited them. Like, okay, we have the the right physical therapists, we have the things that you need uh, when you come here as a player. That's something that is often overlooked when we talk about programs, and specifically, we're talking about the issues that HBCUs have. That that the notion that they don't have the right facilities, the right coaches doing these sorts of things, how important for you job Make sure that you handle that correctly, that when you did get uh, these top recruits and these top players that they, when they left your program, they're like, Hey, we were taking care of there. You'll be taking care of there as well. No,
1: hundred percent. That, that's really important. And you know, we, we had uh, last year a young man, Josh Christopher, that came to visit mm-hmm. us. He uh, eventually ended up choosing Arizona State. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what his sincerity was. I know that being at an HBCU and paying homage to an HBCU was very important. Um, but when it, you know, when I had a friend uh, who lives out in L.A. that saw Josh uh, afterwards the visit and, you know, he said, Josh, how'd the visit go? He goes, it was great. He goes, well, what do you think? He goes, Josh's thing was like, he said, man, they don't even have crushed ice at Howard. And I, 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 you know, it was one of those things like, well, if this is a resource that we don't have, and if this is something that is gonna be uh, looked upon as a reason for not attending Howard, then let's eliminate all the excuses. So we were able to go out one of my classmates from Duke, a gentleman named Randy Chen, um, donated our first million dollars to our program um, and with that million dollars, we are going to do a practice facility. Uh, we're in a uh, we're, we're, we're raising more money right now to include our locker rooms, our offices, and also stuff with our training facility so. I want to eliminate all the excuses for student athletes saying that they're not going to choose our our university um, or our program. And and Ray's certainly right. Like I I reached out to Ray. Ray works with the the Hoyas. He works with the Caps and many athletes in the areas as well as yourself, Chris. And, you know, he does a wonderful job. (laughs) He's an incredible resource, Um, you know, so. All of those things that maybe programs that uh, you know PWIs or or or, or uh, Power Five programs have, maybe we don't have uh, you know the the plushness of things that they have. But I I want us to have the core things that we need, so those athletes feel like they're not sacrificing anything uh, by choosing Howard.
2: Coach, you have you know you've laid out your plan on how you guys simplistically get to uh, you know reach certain deliverables, and uh, they seem like they're they're fair and they are. You have this incredible uh, group of players. You know, in order to win at this level, you need to have players and talent that should be playing at a higher level and that allows you to be better than most teams. What do you think with the combination of having eliminated the obstacles of not having all the bells and whistles, having the talent, and then your coaching acumen, what's it gonna take for Howard to win the MEAC?
1: Well, I just think it's gonna be patience. You know, I, I, I really do. Um, we do have players that I think are, are, are really good. Um, you know, But look, if you look at McCaw-Maker, core makers never played a college game. And, and TJ, you know that, you know, there's a difference, no matter how good you are from, you know, playing at a high school level to playing at a college game uh, in the Miac, our league is old. <laughs> you know, it's a league that, you know, you have guys 24, 25, or maybe older in our league. Um, McCord just finished his uh, senior year at high school. Um, and we have about, eight guys on our team that are really, I think, good players, but they're freshmen. Uh, you throw in two more sophomores, you know, you have the majority of our guys that are freshmen and sophomores. So, um, I think it's just about us, you know, getting better today, uh, and, and taking that step each and every day. Like, how do we get better today? Did we get better today? Did we win practice today? Um, and we have to stay focused and locked in on that and not get ahead of ourselves. Um, I think we have talent. I think we have a chance to to win more games than we did last year, but it's just going to be a process for us.
2: Chris, let, let me jump back in. And let me push back on my teammate here. Let me let me challenge my man. So, all right, you've got older players in the league and less. The league is older. You've more mature players. But none of those players come with the NBA acumen or NBA attraction that you have in Maker, Right? So, So, yes, young, but, you know, for this level, for this league, you know transcendent talent you know you you are you're gonna be is is that is that putting extra pressure on you to get this thing done with this type of talent in here because if he goes in and shows out you know
1: he could be a one and done guy yeah i mean that's look that is so true but i again we won four games last year mm mm-hmm. And I, I just don't know how many programs go from winning four games to becoming the MIAC champion in one year. I, I had a great talk with Tommy Amaker, TJ, on Thursday. Uh, Tommy's an area guy, went to W.T. Woodson, played his college ball at Duke, and has done a phenomenal job uh, in the coaching world. At, at Now he's at Harvard. And Tommy is one of the most wise thoughtful guys that I've ever been around, like, hands down. And, you know, he he reminded me of a couple things. Um, before I got to Duke in 1990, Duke played UNLV. Um, Duke had gone to maybe five out of seven Final Fours at that point and had never got over the hurdle. And Duke lost that night by maybe 40 points. Um, you know, I can still see Anderson Hunt and Stacey Augman and Greg Anthony and Larry Johnson still getting buckets. Like, you know, it it was one of those games where you had to turn a TV off because it was just like, Oh my God, this is ugly. Right. And Duke had to get its heart ripped out in order to take that next step. And Tommy reminded me my, my last year at Harvard year four, we had gone from, You know, eight and twenty four to fourteen and fourteen our second year, to like twenty two and seven or eight my third year to our fourth year, you know, sharing a part of the Ivy League uh, regular season championship, which Harvard hadn't done since like 1950 something. And on the final play of the game, it's an under our bounds. Screen-to-screener action, guy drops it right at the basket, we're up one. Two seconds left. They execute their play. We think that we're going to the NCAA tournament. Boom. Like, I, I, I'm I, still scarred by that game. Like, so my point is, is that you got to go through things sometimes to get a little bit more calluses and get a little bit more tougher and to grind a little bit more uh, than you. You know, I think what we want in our society, because everything is instant, 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 instant news, instant information, you know, instant millionaires. Um, But I I really believe that it's going to be a grind in order to get there. And that's why I want us to really focus on our goals as much as possible, get better today, win our next game, become a championship team, advance in the NCAA tournament and have fun. Um, I I really do, because I know that it's going to be a process. If we're fortunate enough uh, that it, it's a process that's a little bit faster, then that's, that's our blessings and that's God, man. But it's going to be a grind. And, and our league is good. You know, you have teams at Florida A&M that's really good. North Carolina Central is amazing. Uh, they've won it consistently and been a power in the, in the MEAC. Norfolk State uh, has done a terrific job. Um, you come up to Morgan State with, with my man, Kevin Brodus, DC guy. Uh, He has done a phenomenal job. Uh, He's got five-star recruits that have transferred in. Uh, You can go to and to Juan Dixon, who's doing a great job there. He's going to have his best team yet. You know, Eric Skeeters at Delaware State. Um, You know, it's going to be a tough, tough competitive year. And just because we have these guys uh, that are here doesn't mean that we're going to win because they're here.
0: You, uh, you just mentioned your relationship with Tommy Amaker, and that's actually where I was going uh, with Tommy Amaker. Mike Bray as well. You spent some time as an assistant under him and, and learning how to recruit from those guys, but learning how to coach from legendary coaches like Coach K and Morgan Wooten. Can you take us through each of those coaches, Coach Wooten, Coach K? mic break because you already kind of gave us what you learned from Tommy Amaker and and tell us what you learned from each of those guys that helped you to be prepared for this experience where I believe you're going to excel. Yeah, Chris, I
1: I think, um, you know, I've been one of the luckiest guys to study in the classrooms of coach Morgan. Uh, When he retired, he was the winningest high school coach in the history of high school basketball. Um, Somebody that got inducted into the Naismith hall of fame. Uh, what a lucky experience I had being part of his classroom. Uh, He's a wonderful teacher. He was a wonderful teacher. Uh, And and not only on the basketball court, but also in the classroom. Um, He is someone that first and foremost really uh, valued education and and I think nurturing men, young men to become men. Um, You know, uh, one of the things that I take from him, we have an 11 minute segment Every day in our practice, our fundamentals, and it is literally ball handling, chest passes, bounce passes, fake up, fake down, um, (laughs) pivoting, you know, footwork stuff. Like it is, you know, our guys, they get to the point where they're like, why are we doing these fundamentals every day? And it's like, because we have to have a foundation and that foundation uh, was passed down for me to me from coach Morgan Wooten. And I think there's a, a, I try to take a, and TJ will understand this. I try to take a, uh, the tenderness, and I hope I'm saying this in the right way, but the compassion and like the tenderness that Coach Wooten had as a teacher um, with our guys. Now, sometimes my fire boils a little bit, (laughs) more so than his, but I I really, you know, I I never heard Coach Wooten say a bad word. Never heard him swear. Um, Sarcastic as heck, quick as heck. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Painfully oh yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. That man, I mean it just would, you know, he could put you in your place real fast without saying anything, yeah. uh anything harsh. But um, you know, those things I try to uh really include and I think that fundamental part is kind of uh, you know, I'm honoring him by um spending that that eleven minutes every day uh by teaching fundamentals and working on those basic things. Um with Coach K, uh, you know. I I, coach K is one of the most, I think um, competitive people I've ever been around. Um, Even today, like, you know, you can get him on a phone call and you can just hear his competitiveness coming out. Um, The other thing that's really brilliant about him is that he's got a amazing marketing mind. Um, Like he is always thinking about branding and marketing uh, and how to utilize You know, either Duke University, Duke basketball brand or the Mike Krzyzewski brand um, and what that means and anything that he's doing. And, you know, he loves Howard University. Um, You know, we had a, a talk at the beginning of COVID and it was for 30, 35 minutes. And it was all about Howard and the branding of Howard and the direction that, you know, our program should be going. A brilliant conversation and I was very honored and thankful that he just reached out and wanted to to have that conversation um one of the other things that coach K and coach Wooten both uh I think are are really good at is keeping it simple like the KISS method they don't overdo things you know it's you know keep it simple stupid right And that's something that I really try to do. And even down to our identity, our goals and our standards, like let's stay in these boxes, let's stay in this area. Right. And if we stay in these areas and stay focused, you know, coach Wooten has his priorities, like, you know, God, family, school, basketball, like, you know, that, you know, so those things like to put them in, and I think in in context are really important. Uh, So those are some things that I take from, from, from coach K. And then, you know, you talk about Mike Bray um, and this goes, I think to loop back to all three of them uh, all very similar, right. You know, coach Bray is kind of a mixture of coach K and and coach Wooten, uh, but all are effective communicators, like incredibly effective communicators. And uh, that's something that I've really have tried to work on, uh, you know, in in talking to coach Bray, I I listen and uh, you know, just, the way that he presents, the way that he communicates, uh, all of those things are so important. So I've been really lucky to, to sit in the classroom of Coach Brave, who's the winningest coach at Notre Dame, Tommy Amaker, who's the winningest coach at Howard, at Harvard, excuse me, uh, you know, Coach K, who's the all-time collegiate winner, uh, and then Morgan Wooten, when he retired, he was the all-time winningest high school coach.
2: Kenny, we're all fathers here, uh, and, you know, as fathers, we grow. Right. We have to grow for our kids, be mature and we have to be the best examples for our children. Um, what would you say are the areas that you have grown as an individual, as a coach? You're not the same coach that you were as an assistant. Now that you're a head guy. Talk to me about your growth. How have you grown as a coach?
1: I think I've become more patient uh, as a coach. Um, and I, I I try to. Not be so reactive, um, and, and that can be you know with good or bad. Like let's 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 take a look from a thirty thousand you know, overseas helicopter, right, and, and and just kind of observe a little bit. Um, but it, it's like that with with you know, I mean T J for the first you know sixteen months of my daughter's life, I I was at home with her, um, as a stay home dad before I got back into coaching. Um, and I got a little one with a lot of energy. And so, um, you know, uh, that kind of parental instincts, I think, have really, has really helped me. Um, it, it's helped me be a little bit more understanding of, you know, where we are as a team or what somebody may be feeling or what somebody may be going through. Um, and, and it's helped me, I think, just to be a little bit more patient. Uh, I got a great call from, from Ashley Howard, who's the head coach at LaSalle University last year. And uh, Ash is a great dude. And we, we don't know each other great, but we know each other well enough that if, you know, if 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 I need him, he'll be there for me. Um, Mo Howard, who played at University of Maryland, is his dad, uh, played in the NBA. So we were going through a period of on our schedule last year where we had like, eight games in about 16 days. And we were in the Midwest. We're in West Virginia. We're in Ohio. We were just, it was just one of those stretches. And uh, yeah, (laughs) how you doing, buddy? (laughs) It was just one of those, Naomi will probably come in and photo bomb us at some point in time. (laughs) It was was one of those stretches where we were just losing every game by like 40, 50, 60. Mm -hmm. And he called me and he goes, Hey, look, I know you've played at these places and you've coached with these people and you've done this, you know, I know your resume. He goes, I know you're competitive, but he goes, it's not going (laughs) to (laughs) change. And that was, for me, it was like, it was a huge moment because he was like, okay, he goes, you're not going to change the guys you have right now. The best thing you can do is just work on your game, you know, really try to figure out, is this the style you want to play? Um, work on end of game situations, work on special situations, uh, but just kind of get through this year and then recruit your, recruit your butt off. And that was kind of the plan at that point. So that, that really helped me, I think, become a lot more patient, uh, you know, through that TJ, to be honest.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I, uh, you talk about your, your pedigree and obviously I'm, Uh, I've shared in that pedigree with you as we're both uh, members of the DeMatha Basketball family. We're both ACC players. Um, You know, you've had some incredible experiences and so have I. Uh, You know, but as I look at Chris's beautiful daughter there sitting right there in his lap, you know, um, you think about memorable moments in your entire career, whether it be high school, whether it be you know, college, uh, coaching, you know, sporting scars, uh, your your enterprise that you ran for quite some time, you know, and then obviously being a father. Talk to us about memorable moments. And you don't have to segment it, you know, it doesn't have to be one, but if there's some dueling, you know, memorable moments, talk to us a little bit about that.
1: I mean, honestly, TJ, I, I, I it's a, that's a really, really good question because it, there's a lot that can go with it. But I, I think at the end of the day my best moments have been with guys like you, my teammates. You know, if it's if it's hanging out at the you know College Park McDonald's on a Friday or Saturday night, you know? <laughs> like those were amazing times, you know. And, and, and I really, I sincerely mean that, like, you know, and in, 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 in hanging out in the locker room after practice uh, or hanging out at the bench at the math uh, on, on the on the on the wood benches after practice, like <laughs> talking about how, how you know, the blue team beat the red team's butt like you guys just kick our butt every day. Right. <laughs> um And all the things that you and Gerard Mustaf and all the guys, you know, used to do to us like those times were were unbelievable. And it was the same thing in college for me, Um, having that experience of being in the locker room, uh, you're talking trash, you're sharing stories, you're talking about who got the best of who. Um, Those are the memories, man, that I really, really uh, cherish and value. You know, I've been lucky and fortunate and in the right place to be on some very historic uh, moments and events. And, uh, I, I'm very grateful for that. Um, to be a part of two national championships at Duke, um, you know, it was amazing. Uh, but, but to have that, you know, I think camaraderie of that brotherhood with, with guys at the math or guys at Duke that is just away from the court, um, really are, are powerful and, and moving moments for me in my experiences.
2: Fantastic. Kenny, man, we appreciate you taking some time to spend with us here today. It's been a surreal moment to see my my young brother out here doing what he's doing, but I'm not surprised. I know continued success and blessings are always headed your way. We're wishing you well, my man. I guess in closing, I might have one set of series of questions, though. Let's test the DC hood, okay? <laughs> give, give give it give the choice and i know you know you're a fit brother so you know you might not a- indulge yourself in these in these types of culinary experiences anymore but uh give it the choice Ben's silly bowl or would you go with some mumbo wings from like a lenny uh, or or uh eddie
1: carry carryout I'm all-day Mambo. I'm all-day chicken and mambo, man. <laughs> I, I, Hey, ben, Ben's an alum, and I love to support him. I, I stop there frequently. I got one. I, I live on the northeast side, and I got one right down the street from me on H Street. But I have Mambo sauce in my refrigerator, man. <laughs> 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 so I am good. chicken Mambo all day long. Okay. Very good.
2: Very good. So you, I know you're a true D.C. guy. You know what I mean? Born and raised. Yeah. So... Uptown, or I don't want to say downtown,
1: but around town, northeast, southeast, how would you care? So I I live on East Capitol Hill right now. Um, And I think this is the most up and coming thriving area in the city. Uh, We have H Street that's a block away with so many vibrant uh, establishments down there. Um, you know, you got great areas to walk. You got great areas for kids to run around parks and different things like that. I am uptown till I die now. Now don't, you know, <laughs> I am, I am all uptown until I die. Uh, but I think this area over in Northeast really is, uh, you know, has a lot going on right now.
2: Fantastic. Now we'll close with this one. This is going to be a layup here. This is a Kenny Blakey, Kenny Blakey, sophomore on varsity. alley <laughs> Two HUs. Who's the real H U? It's
1: you. You know. <laughs> Howard vices baby. <laughs> you know. <laughs> all day long. Dom Marie Gray, Andre Jones. Howard vices for sure. For sure. <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt.
2: Hey, my man. Thank you so much for blessing us today. We appreciate it. It's great catching up with you. Great luck during the season this year. Knock them dead, man. Get it done. We know you will. And we'd love to have you back whenever you're available, brother.
1: Thank you, TJ. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate this. This was awesome.